So over the last two years, we've been living in a situation where there's been a fair degree of discomfort for the vast majority of us. Not everybody has been impacted uh, really terribly, but I think everybody's had some kind of disruption in their lives. Of course, some people have been impacted on a, a very, very um, sort of terrible level, loved ones that um, you know, didn't get to see their family before they died or they passed away or, or people that have been separated for long periods of time or people who've lost their work or grown sick. It's very challenging times for, for many people. And I think that uh, an interesting or maybe unique facet of this situation is, is, of course, that it's been very global. I think it's safe to say different countries have been impacted to different levels during this um, two-year period. I've actually traveled to a few different countries of different um, wealth levels, definitely different economic levels, um, and seen how it's impacted countries in different places, and it has been very different. And it was interesting to get an insight into how different communities and cultures and countries uh, kind of dealt with it. For example, I was in Indonesia, and there was a very different way of dealing with it than there was in America, and then I was in England, which had a very different way of of dealing with the situation and then back in Portugal where there isn't really any <laughs> people to see how they're dealing with it. It's a very quiet place that I'm in. But very fascinating how different cultures and different groups um, dealt with it. I saw within some communities there was a coming together of people to kind of work through this period of time and then in other parts of the world actually certain communities were divided by it. There's a kind of derision and an argument starting to take place. And it's very interesting to see how that's happened in different places, different levels of trust in what's happening. Obviously, some people believe um, that there is a, obviously there's a major problem that what is happening is the only solution that, that can be sort of thought about or put in place. Whereas other people obviously believe um, in something a lot more nefarious. Uh, and don't have any trust or faith in the stories that they're being told. And, and this divide has really sort of moved people into camps, haven't they? And I, an interesting facet of it as well, keep talking about things that have fascinated me, but I don't mean that in a, a sort of voyeuristic way. I mean, I, I do very much feel for the difficulties people have had, which is really what I want to talk about on this episode of the podcast but also it is interesting like on another level it's really fascinating to see how human psychology works and what human beings are doing because especially in the west what i've seen is a lot of people have divided into two camps so you have the the trusters and the non-trusters let's call them i don't know uh, i'm sure you know what i mean and, and abuse has been hurled from one group to the other now with myself um, along with some other people I know, I tried to say fairly neutral, um, taking the stance that I don't really have the expertise to discuss what is going on. I'm not a natural truster, but I'm also not a natural conspiratorial thinker either. So I, I'm always somewhere in the center. And I've seen that from that place in the middle, that actually, rather than just sort of remaining out of it, you end up kind of taking flack from both camps because what's happening essentially is like battle lines are being drawn up and people want to recruit you to their side and if you don't have their view even if you don't have the other view you're still the enemy and this kind of us and them black and white goodies and baddies kind of childish view of the world is really to me what is the biggest issue i actually think it's a bigger issue than covid i think it's a bigger issue than um, the health of the medications that have been i'm trying to avoid the word so the video doesn't get banned right or, or taken down but 
as has happened with two of my videos for talking about this subject, but I, I think the medication that's been brought in to deal with this situation, um, obviously for a lot of people that causes a lot of fear, it causes a lot of worries, just like the disease itself or the sickness causes worries, causes fears. But I think that my take on it is the bigger issue is actually what psychologically happened to people and communities and societies as a result of this. And I, the reason I think it's a bigger issue is I think the ramifications of that will be felt for a very, very long time. And okay, you could say that maybe the political impositions that have been brought into place as a result of this situation, which some people are pointing out very readily and saying, look at this thing that's happening or that's being done as a form of subterfuge while you're not looking. Um, okay, yeah, those things will change the course of life. But I have to say, I actually felt that society was going that way Anyway, I don't think that um, I don't think we've moved in a direction that wasn't kind of inevitable with regards to technology and surveillance and the way society was going. Anyway, I, I just think that's the natural unfolding of things. I'm not a fan of it, but I think it is. It was kind of preset in stone. Um, so yeah, those are going to be felt. But I think it is a bigger issue: the psychological divide that exists between people and the, the stress and the unhappiness that people are feeling, the inability for people to take a nuanced or gray, if you like, shades of gray view of the situation is what I find um, difficult. Because I think, that, I think that the problem is, once you get to a place where people are divided up into polar opposites, once there's no shared understanding of anything anymore, then that becomes very difficult for any kind of community or society to move forward in a healthy fashion. I think if you have like a situation where 90% of people believe one thing and 10% believe the opposite, that, that kind of number is kind of normal for society to continue rolling on. But once it gets to 50-50, which we've even seen not just because of the COVID situation, but also political votes lately, especially in the Western world with votes that have been at 49, 51, 52, 48, some quite, as you know, are things like Brexit or um, the presidential elections or the th other like, like things like this that are quite major have a very close divide you're always at 50 50. 50 50 is not um, <laughs> a great place to be at with regards to percentages of people with viewpoints because it means ultimately that because 51 percent is not really a majority is it i mean by the literal definition it's a majority but in the grand scheme of things it's not really it's about 50 50. so that means you're, you're essentially in a position where on certain major um, decisions or facets or issues, you are divided. You are equally divided, meaning you have two sides of opposing forces. Now, especially with regards to political things, that's an issue. But once it starts to get into worldwide situations which are deemed emergency situations, such as COVID, I think it becomes a bigger factor because you have another element that is kind of amplified to a major degree, and that is fear, the emotion of fear. Now, this is the biggest issue is that everybody has been plunged, or I say everybody, the vast majority of people have been plunged into this sort of state of fear, and they have fear over different things. Some people, their fear might be that they, um, you know, contract a, a virus that they think can kill them because they have these terms that we almost throw away as if it kind of makes someone irrelevant, a comorbidity, which ultimately means that you have something wrong with your health, you know, which means you should deserve assistance and care, not 
placing into a category where you don't matter anymore because if you die it's because you had a comorbidity. I think things like that are very unfair. But you have people that are worried because they have something wrong with their health or maybe they're elderly, maybe they're older, or maybe someone's worried about their health because they are in a situation where they're okay, but in their family or within their direct vicinity of people they mix with, there are vulnerable or, or people that are ill as well. So you have that kind of fear, of course, and that's the logical fear that arises <laughs> at essentially an, unneed, an unseen and invisible threat. Now, you have the other side of the equation where you have people that are then frightened, because it is fear, of their rights being taken away. And the funny thing is that often what will happen is the ones that are frightened of death or dying, um, growing sick, that will be labelled as fear. Fear, fair enough, you're frightened. But the ones who are frightened of their rights being taken away, we don't label it as fear, or they don't like to label it as fear. So what they do is they call it kind of, or they talk about how they're standing up for their rights or something, but don't they realise that actually the basis of that ultimately is a kind of fear? Because if you didn't have any fear of your rights to being taken away as an individual, you wouldn't actually stand up against it. It's based upon that. Let's not pretend for a second there's kind of some self-righteous justice that's underpinning the whole thing. If there's a self-righteous sense of justice and fighting on the surface, that's okay. But actually underneath this, deeper, there is fear. The fear is, and, and I felt it too, I'm not excluding myself from either category, actually, at different times, especially right at the beginning when they were talking about COVID, I, nobody knew what it was. It was like, oh my God, okay, here we go, we have a pandemic. They're talking about millions dying around the planet. And, and then at other times when I, certainly when, for me, when I was, I guess, passing through airports and things, and it was kind of highlighted for me with regards to the change to security and systems and surveillance, there was that kind of fear as well. So there's that kind of feeling, oh, my rights are being taken away. Oh, this is imposition. Oh, this is difficult for my life. There's also the fear of finances. Don't forget that we live in this kind of world where in order to move around and function for a lot of people, that involves being able to work and generate a certain kind of finance. And then we have different kinds of financial desire. We have the financial desire for necessity to be able to support our family and ourselves and those around us, those that depend on us. There's the next level of fear of um, sort of wanting money, which is kind of like, I want enough money to then be free after this. I want to be able to move around and experience my life and, and not have to worry about finances. And then there's the next level, which ultimately is greed. So there's different types of connection to materialism. And generally, whatever category you end up in, because you, as you go through your profession, you end up sort of catapulted into higher and higher categories, especially if you're someone that is in the kind of job that has the potential for progression. A lot of people are stuck on that survival level, unfortunately, but many people aren't. And whatever category you get into, you are frightened of dropping to the category below. It always happens. People are frightened of not being rich, and then they get rich, and then they're frightened of losing their riches. <laughs> people are frightened of not having enough to be free, then they get free, and then they're frightened of losing that freedom. People are frightened of not having enough to survive, and then they get to that stage, and then they're frightened of something taking that away, because obviously then they fall out the bottom of the net. So there's a whole set of fears that are around this kind of situation as well. And I think that's what, for me, is, is the big issue, because ultimately, if somebody is, is frightened, is in a state of fear, what it does is it means they're very reactive. And this is, this is the problem, is you're very reactive when you're frightened. And this is something we need to understand, because how you will react will then depend upon your personality. 
So if somebody has a very sort of uh, soft, so we say yin, if I keep it within sort of Taoist terms, personality, their way of dealing with the fear will be to do whatever is necessary to get through that. So if, for example, they're told you need to take this medication, you need to follow this rule, they will do that um, because that yin nature tends to cause them to adhere to or follow to systems that are presented to them that will alleviate that risk. That's fair enough. That's essentially a kind of natural reaction for somebody whose defense mechanism is to do that. Other people, their reaction to fear is to become angry. Um, it's more like they have a yang nature, if you like, which don't, like, people will hear this, and it's funny because people make judgment decisions, and some of you may already have done it. Judgment decision, which is better, a yin or yang nature? Neither is better. They're both just a polar opposite. It, it's nothing. So <laughs> essentially, yang people will tend to then buck up and, and fight against this, and it will generate a kind of frustration. So their fear becomes a little bit more hidden because what their fear turns into is anger and that almost becomes like a self-righteous, I'm gonna fight for my rights. But let's not pretend that fighting for your rights and fighting back is not based upon fear. And this is where I've kind of got to the situation where I look at it and this is where I think here is the bigger issue, is if you have a lot of people in fear and these people in fear are gonna react different ways and maybe these people over here that follow the rules and follow the guidance, after a while they then realized other people weren't. And then what happens is that group then brings back that feeling of fear because they haven't followed what we need to do as a collective. So then that turns into a kind of attack on them, which is often a very, um, well, because it's supported by law, I guess it feels righteous to them in many ways. Whereas on this side, once they start seeing that actually restrictions are coming in place, then that anger starts to build up until you get riots and impositions and, and fighting back against them. But again, it's just fear-based fear -based behavior. Now you could argue that, depending on your stance, that one of them is needed. And I guess everybody listening to this who's put up with me for this long will have already decided that one stance or the other is better because if you're on this camp, you will go, well, obviously we need to do this for the collective because these idiots aren't believing science aren't following the advice of the democratically elected leaders and, and so on and so on. And, and, and I've had people in life that have passed away from COVID, so therefore it must be true. And, and that's your camp. And then the other camp are getting very frustrated because they see that essentially their rights are being taken away, which is what they're frightened of losing. So that creates that kind of anger. And totally. But you end up in a situation where every time something generates a little bit more fear, that view gets strengthened and strengthened. And I think it's now got to a stage where it's a real big problem because what it turns into is an inability to be kind to the other group because they are now viewed as your enemy. Because once you've got to a stage where that sense of fear has been moved out of the current situation then projected onto the others and they become the enemy, that's where you have a problem. That's where you now have the breakdown of a civilization or society because how can you have a community of people, a group of people living together that view 50% of them, of their, that very community as the enemy, as the opposite, something that is generating fear, something that is causing problems. If I look at my neighbor and my neighbor is carrying a disease because he refuses to get vaccinated, oh, I said the word, probably get the video banned, refusing to get vaccinated, then that's gonna generate fear in me and I'm gonna get very angry, that's the enemy. And if I'm living in a community and this person over here is simply supporting the government and, and bringing in things that are gonna restrict my rights, then that's gonna generate fear and then that's my enemy. But it's all very reactive. And because emotions are based purely on this just kind of reactive 
kind of survival mechanism. This is where we're at. And this was highlighted to me very much because, like for example, and maybe you've seen these online. I try to avoid online as much as I can these days. I don't think it's a healthy environment. I think that for me, the internet is a great source of information. If you want to look something up, it's really helpful. We don't have to go to a library anymore. I can just hunt it down and look it up. And there's a lot of really good sources on the internet. But it's also become a festering sort of cesspit for conflict. And I don't think that's very healthy. I don't think that's been a good advancement for people at all. So I try to avoid it as much as I can, the kind of general discussion. I stay out of it. It doesn't serve any purposes. But I have seen those, I've seen enough to see those messages going around. And one of the common ones is somebody driving in a car with a mask on. And then some, like as a meme, you know, look at this person driving in a car living, abuse. And they'll call them things like a sheeple or look at this idiot or, or just sheer abuse at this person driving a car in a mask. And that, that to me kind of epitomizes the problem with the situation. And I know it's certainly from one perspective and I'm not saying the other camp's not doing the same, but it's like why you, you're directing your anger at that individual and the amount of abuse I've seen under those posts, laughing and laughing at, at these kind of people that are doing this, but ultimately the person is wearing a mask in the car. And okay, logic aside, maybe there's logic to it, maybe there's not, I would guess in a lot of cases, there's nothing to protect themselves from in the car. I wouldn't have thought so, but you don't know. Maybe they just had a passenger in the car that might've had COVID, or maybe they've just been in a shop and forgotten to take their mask off and the mask was ordered to. I've done that. I've been in a, a place where you needed a mask and then forgot I was wearing it because in actual fact, wearing of mask doesn't really bother. It doesn't impact me. I don't feel them. It's like having a hat on and you forget you got a hat. You know, I get in the car and I drive, whatever. So it could be that kind of reason. But even if that person has chosen to wear that mask, which is something you think is ludicrous, do remember that that person is driving the car wearing a mask because they're frightened. They're frightened. They're in fear. The basis of them putting that on is because they feel they want to protect their health and their well-being from something that they are worried about might make them sick or kill them or, or one of the people that's in their kind of social group. And I, I guess my default is if somebody is in fear, what I always think is that person needs kindness and support. They don't need abuse or derision. Definitely. Definitely not. And I think in the same way, the other side, it can be very difficult if someone is shouting at you about your rights. And, and what have they called me lately? I mean, I've been called everything from a fence sitter to spiritual bypassing, which I don't care about that. The kind of people who use the term spiritual bypassing aren't really kind of on my radar for something that I'm really concerned with because it's generally this kind of terminology from a kind of community I'm not in. Um, but I've you know, that's fine. But I've been called, people have said I'm emasculated or I've been neutered by the government or it's amazing or that she pulled many times. These things, like these kind of terms coming out. But I have to remember that as frustrating as it can be to receive that kind of abuse, ultimately that is just coming from a position of fear. That person is frightened. They are frightened of their finances or their rights or their liberal freedom being taken away. So their result is to lash out and generate anger. And I can definitely um, empathize with that one because that was my default state when I was younger, definitely. I lived in a constant state of fear when I was younger, which was based around a sense of insecurity around other men, ultimately, because I felt they were I was frightened of everybody. I felt they could hurt me at any moment for some reason. So consequently, how that came out as is a kind of spiteful anger. And many of the kind of behaviors I see online, either direction, I'm not taking a side, master, no mask, no master, mask, back to no, whatever. All of these kind of behaviors 
they just remind me of the kind of spiteful lashing out that I would do when I was younger, when I was frightened. And when I think back to it, there was kind of two reasons for it. First one was obviously as a defense mechanism. If I'm worried about you and I can kind of shout at you or make you feel that I'm a big risk, it's kind of posturing, then obviously you're going to be less of a risk to me. And I see that kind of posturing all the time with people when they're like, I went into a store and I didn't put my mask on. And if anyone told me to put my mask on, I put them right in the place. That's posturing. That's the equivalent of throwing your chest out like some kind of ape ultimately because you're frightened. And the reason I know it's posturing is because you're sharing it in every single Facebook group you possibly can because you want people to know. You want people to know what a warrior you are. That's posturing because you're frightened. Okay, that, that's what that is. It's not that dissimilar from ultimately posting pictures of you being vaccinated. Um, I don't, that didn't mean to look so much like looking for a vein for heroin, actually. But you know what I mean? Like posturing as if you've been vaccinated or, or something. It's the same thing. It's like, look at me. I've done my part. It's not healthy. But I can recognize that because I would do a very similar thing when I was younger. And that would make me lash out. But then the second reason I would lash out is one I always remind myself was I guess because I was frightened, I was also in a lot of pain. I was in a lot of emotional pain. I was suffering on lots of levels, not physically, but definitely emotionally, because you, it's not nice to live in a world where you're frightened. That does create suffering. And we can clearly see that right now in the world because so many people are suffering. They're suffering psychologically. They're suffering practically. They're even suffering physically. All kinds of suffering going on. Um, I mean, it's, it's really not a healthy place. So what would happen is when I was living in this state of suffering, I would lash out at someone almost to make them feel how I was suffering. So really it was an attempt to get them to be able to empathize with me. It was like, look, I'm frightened and I'm feeling really bad. So I'm going to make you feel really bad so that you can feel what I feel. So in a weird way, it was an attempt to connect. It was an attempt to connect. And the reason I wanted to connect, because I thought if that person can feel how unpleasant I feel, then maybe they can help me. Maybe they can help him feel better. And that became the, the root for a lot of why I would vent and shout and then feel better afterwards. That's why I felt better because I'd felt I'd managed to get someone to feel what I feel. And I think there's a lot of that going on with regards to how people are communicating with each other right now online and um, in person as well, although mostly online, isn't it? But a little bit. I've seen a lot of arguments in bars even and stuff where people are having these different views. So why I'm talking about all this is because, as I said, I think this is a bigger issue. I do. I think that the, I think the virus COVID has been a problem. Um, it's made people sick and it's killed many. And I do think it's strange people are in denial sometimes of there even being a disease that exists. Having been in a community where lots of people caught it and seeing how bad it was, it was problematic. Um, even the ones that didn't die, the long COVID effects were pretty, were pretty bad, you know. Um, but at the same time wasn't the end of the world for the majority, as cold as that sounds. It wasn't the end of the world for civilization. It would carry on. It, but it was something that needed dealing with. Everybody spaced and dis everyone sensible distanced themselves for a while and, and allowed this kind of thing to move through the community I was in. So, you know, I've seen that and, and that is definitely an issue. And then, of course, you've got the issue with the vaccines, which is kind of twofold, isn't it, about human rights and being forced like what's happening in Austria and so on and so on. Yeah, that's an issue. I mean, that's an issue. Definitely, it'll be interesting to see in the future how those kind of rules continue to impact upon human life, societal life, definitely. 
Um, and then, of course, there's the queries that people have around the health of the vaccine, which may or may not be valid. I know I'm going to get a lot of stick for saying that, but of course, one thing that I've seen during this time is whatever situation you have evidence for with regards to medicine, with regards to health, maybe not so much with political changes, but regards to medicine and regards to health, there is equal studies and evidence for the opposite side of the argument. And I know that people don't want to accept that, but it is true. For every study that says these things are going to be bad for you, there are studies that say these things save lives. And the same for every one of those studies that say <laughs> this is the end of the world with regards to diseases, you will need to look after yourself. There's equal studies saying actually they're not needed. There's other ways to look after yourself. So it, it is once again almost that 50-50, just like it is with percentage in votes. There's 50% on the, the studies. And, and that's what brings me to the position of ultimately being back to, I don't really know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't know. And I know that when I say this underneath this YouTube video, the temptation will be, and you know the funny thing is actually, is I, I don't normally look at many of the social media accounts, but I do check the YouTube comments, and I see a lot of comments that are posted and then deleted straight away afterwards. That's quite amazing. That's not deleted by YouTube, that's deleted by people themselves. Because my, you get a notification, you, a new comment has appeared, and I don't look at all of them, but some of them you look at and you think, oh, I've got to answer that, and then it's gone. And funny enough, what it is, is often it's a very abusive message. And you think, oh, that's a bit rude. And then you go to look and it's gone. And the person has actually deleted it themselves. And in a couple of cases, I've actually reached out to those people and said, oh, I'm, I'm, I saw your comment before it was deleted. I'm really sorry you felt that way. And then that person has actually responded and, and said, look, I'm, I'm really sorry for writing that, but what you said really triggered me. And I think that's really interesting, isn't it? It's that reactivity, once again, that you kind of react and then you walk away and you go, actually, that's just a reaction. That's not really how I feel. I don't want to be horrible to people. So you delete it. And so that happens a lot. That's almost quite reassuring that people are sometimes considering what they say, as I try to. I try to consider what I say because I don't want to, I don't want to hurt people's feelings particularly. That's not very nice. So I'm sure that underneath this video, there'll be evidence people will post. I say evidence, <laughs> but I've never yet seen a very convincing one. It's always a study here, a study there. And even if you do get something that's very, very convincing, there is equal evidence the other direction. Uh, uh, it is true. It, there is equal evidence the other way. Um, I've got people that sit on both sides of the fence that I'm friends with, and they're equally as compelling. So that puts you in a position where you, you don't know once again. There's, there's a lack of knowledge there. So if people want to take a stance on it, that's okay, that's fine. Even if ill-informed you want to take a stance, maybe that's all right, no problem at all. But my only point is please be kind to people on the other side of the equation because they're only operating according to the information they have. And if you have a strong reaction feeling to something that's going on right now, it's probably based in fear. And it doesn't matter whether your fear is different to their fear, whatever happens, your fear is going to feel more justified because that's the nature of a personal identity that humans have, is in order to protect it, we will justify it in various ways. And one of the easiest way to justify it is through an enemy. That's what we'll do. So these created enemies that are largely just fabrications in our mind become the source for our own self-righteousness. So do, do be a little bit cautious of that. Two frightened people should support each other as much as possible, not deride each other. So I think that 
especially in the alternative community, whatever that means, spiritual community, whatever you want to call it, people that are interested in these kind of subjects, I think whatever tradition people are from, yoga, Buddhism, Taoism, New Age, whatever, it doesn't matter, whichever one you're from, I think one of the biggest underpinning ideas is kindness, if not compassion, but definitely kindness um, is something that's agreed upon across the traditions that is something that should be epitomized. Even martial artists in the old days before you know, things changed a bit, I guess, with regards to how we view it in modern times. Even, you know, we only have to look at the kind of connection to spiritual tradition, you know, that kindness was a major facet of martial arts training. But, or certainly an ethos that underpinned it, but that's not something that I'm seeing here. So I think out of all the traditions, kindness should, all the communities, this is one that should be expressing kindness, not meanness, not jibes, not nastiness, joking, fair enough, but not the sheer spite that I'm seeing is certainly not the looking down on people that have a different view from you. Because if I think of personal examples, I can think of someone I know that's very, very pro the kind of everyone must get vaccinated as a group or that's the only way to move forward and actually thinking that everybody on the other side are idiots and sort of Trump supporting kind of lunatic whatever they want to think. I'm sure you would know what they would consider them to be. Now, when I think of this person who's someone in my life, they're actually quite a frightened person. They live in a state of fear. That, that's generally their kind of their demeanor to life. They're very nervous type. So, you know, that's the root of, of their behavior. And I can see a commonality across that same derision of the other side, derision of, of the other political spectrum. But then if I think on this side, if I think of someone who I know who's very angry at the people who are getting vaccinated and it's all a conspiracy and they're posting memes and messages ever about stand up for your rights and you cowards, you're leading us towards the equivalent of World War Three or whatever. I don't know all sorts of crazy stuff like when they're saying that, if I think of that person, they're also a very nervous person. Like, I can see that quality in them. They, are, they live in a state of fear. There's a very similar shared quality between the two. Now, funny enough, this person who's on this camp, who is full of fear, is constantly posting about how the rest of men that won't stand up for themselves, including me, has been directed at me, are very effeminate, pathetic men. And I think the term bent over and rogered by the government has, has been thrown around a few times. And it, it's, it's quite sort of colorful, emotive, kind of very insulting language. Which is funny because one of the most nervous people I know is this guy. He's a, he's a very sort of um, in person, he's a very sort of shrinking violet, but online he's all this rage. So it's the same, same condition. <laughs> it's, it's funny, it's the same situation. And that's what, um, if I think about things like that, that's what ultimately enables me to kind of deal with what is going on right now, just live my life and, and try to have some kind of understanding for what's going on for people. Now, there's a funny thing, isn't there, that whatever you, in the majority of cases, whatever your view is, it's generally wrong. And, and what I mean by that is like, if, you, if there's 100% correct, and we call that the truth, and then deviation from that truth by two to three degrees, we call wrong. Like, what I mean was like that, no one's ever spot on in any situation, because in order to be spot on in a situation and really understand something, you have to have all of the information of all the moving parts. Nobody has that. Some people think they do, but you don't. There's so many complex, interconnected layers of human psychology all over the place. It's, it's crazy. You can't know. You don't know the motives of everybody involved on every level of every single thing. And, I, and also, you, you still have to factor in human incompetence. I've told people before, I'm a great believer in human incompetence. I think it underpins a lot more of what takes place 
than some kind of, kind of nefarious evil that that is very coordinated and clever. I think there's a lot more bumbling, bumbling and confusion. Same as you see on every level. You go to your local post office, there's loads of bumbling and confusion. No one can get anything done. It's not so different on a, a governmental level, I don't think, personally. don't know why they think this efficiency goes up as, as people move out of your sphere of connection, you know? Like, almost everybody I've met on every sphere of level of my life, as I've sort of reached out with my experiences, and I've mixed with people on a very local level, I've also, um, re re I've, weirdly, I, it's, I felt a bit of fish out of place, I've mixed with people on a very high level. I've actually had parties with some members years ago, before the lockdowns, not like the uh, British government recently, but I've had parties years ago with the, the actual Communist Party members in China, which was a very strange experience. And I've, I've hung out with some very, very wealthy people in LA and, and places like this and even, um, you know, very mixed worlds. I'm not saying that to, for anything other than to say that all those different groups I've mixed with, they were all incompetent. And I don't mean that as an insult, but they were all incompetent. I, I would include myself and they were bumbling. There was mistakes and errors and confusions. It wasn't like I ever met any particular group of people, successful financially, successful politically, or even successful on a community level with their friends, that weren't incompetent and making errors all of the way. And if you have that many human errors combined with that many different threads of confusion and that many layers of things that are taking place, it's very hard to figure out what's actually going, going on. So truth is very difficult to come to. So it's why most strong opinions, most strong views end up being wrong, which is why to be sensible, I think that you have to have a view. I have an opinion. I don't share it, but I do have one. <laughs> you have to have a view, but then you also have to have the room for fluidity within that. You have to have the view of the, the kind of ability to go, well, okay, that deviates from what my experience is, but it makes sense. And, and you can kind of operate a little bit in a more flexible fashion. Whereas what's happening for a lot of people is they have this view. And then if they receive reinforcing information, then that reinforces a view. If they hear opposite information, then that causes a rebellion, which is ultimately a fear-based reaction. And that fear-based reaction of rebellion reinforces their view as well. So therefore, things that affirm and things that deny both reinforce their situation. So the divide gets wider and wider and wider, where in actual fact, what should happen is an ability to comprehend all of the information would be a lot better. And also to then understand that other people are also in a state of fear. Now, by saying this, a lot of you are going to think, and I would have thought the same of me a few years ago, I'll be honest, a decade ago, five years ago, I'd have thought the same, listen to this, what a wet fart. Why, <laughs> why hasn't that person taken a stronger stance? Is there something wrong with them? Have I been demasculated, in, emasculated, demasculated, I don't know how you say that word, in some way? Should I be taking a stance? I am taking a stance is my answer to that. And that's what I wouldn't have understood a few years ago. I am taking a stance because I think that you should take a stance on the things that you feel are actually an issue. Now, for me, the disease and the vaccine, or COVID vaccine, whatever, it will come and it will go. Well, whatever happens, it will come and it will go. It will be there, it will go. I believe that human arrogance is such that we really believe that what we do changes the bigger picture of things. I think that if the disease had worked its way through society it would have worked its way through and then gone and, and the vaccine will either be here or it won't be there people will be forced to take it or they won't be forced to take it and then it will move through and it'll be gone and some people may have negative reactions to it and most won't and then life will continue on that's the nature of existence and all you can do within that space ultimately is to um 
kind of navigate that as best you can and to alleviate the risk to people that are unhealthy because you should always be kind to and include those people that are elderly or, or, or sick in some way or having comorbidities. You need to take care of those people. That's a part of the process of kindness within your tradition, is to, within your life, within the world, within your practice, is to look after those people. So that needs to be taken care of sensibly, of course, but ultimately the situation you will move beyond and, and then there'll be another situation and then another one, who knows? Alien invasion, terrorist attack on a wide scale, who knows what's gonna happen, I don't know. Giant fungal spores that engulf the planet, maybe a zombie apocalypse if we're really lucky. There'll be other situations, they'll come and they go, but the only constant throughout this with regards to the nature of humanity is really how are they able to communicate with each other and are they going to somehow come together as a group or are they going to continue to divide into these extreme polar opposites? That to me is the issue because that is going to pervade all the way through human life whether, like I say, it's a deadly virus or a zombie invasion, it doesn't matter. Like That issue is going to carry on. These are blips but the division of human life into these strong polar opposites that view the other person as an enemy is gonna carry on and carry on and carry on. Now ultimately, the rule of Taoism is that which happens on the microcosm happens on the macrocosmic level as well. This is the same rule for Western esoteric traditions and many traditions that you, you can't really deny that what happens on the small level happens out here. So if that polar opposite divide happens on a community level amongst people, amongst families, amongst previous loved ones, amongst it, within my school, my Qigong school that I run, which everybody was really friends until COVID, and now again, it's all, they've all divided into these, these groups of fear-based hating, hate, I don't want to say haters, I'm too old to say the word haters, 41, but you know what I mean, that's like a kid's term, isn't it? But, you know, I mean, they're all hating each other over these strong polar views, and just stop it, you're all frightened. You're all in fear. You're not angry, you're frightened. <laughs> That's where it comes from. And as soon as you have that, we need some understanding because you're frightened, you're suffering. So we should understand each other. If some people feel they want to go to war with the government and some people want to follow the government, fine. But the enemy, ultimately, if you want to project it on something, has to be the people or the situation that you feel can change it. And to be honest, that's not the person two doors down who previously was your friend. And if you are going to have a conflict with them, then ultimately we need to do it in a kind fashion. You can't just randomly abuse or hate people all over the place because it's going to lead to this divide. I'm trying to take a bigger look at what I view the problem is. So this is where I'm taking my stand. This is my stand, not the vaccine, not um, COVID. My stance is on the way that people communicate with each other and they can't understand that the reactivity is creating these polar divides. And this is partially because the field I'm in is the field that deals with human health, human psychology, and human spirit. And to me, these are bigger factors than the other two. Even though you might think COVID's a bigger issue and the vaccine's a bigger issue, I think actually this is a bigger factor because it affects everybody, whereas those other factors tend to affect a smaller percentage of humanity. As much as you want to agree with me or disagree with me on that one, feel free. So yeah, I'm putting my flag in the sand there. Boom, stop it. Just be nice to each other. You're only going to be able to stop the reactivity once there is the ability to step back and have some space between your perspective and the fear that you feel inside. That's really it. And you can't have an understanding of that fear if you're there. If I have an object here, it's hard for me to tell what it is. I kind of know it's a pint glass because I put it there. Do you know what I mean? But if someone's trying to give you a book, you can't read it. 
it's too close to you. So only when you bring it out, you're like, oh right, my eyes can see it, I can pick it up, it's a glass, or I can read the text on this paper as opposed to here, you know? Like, you need to have some distance. And right now, when you're in a state of fear, it's equivalent to having that book or that object right here, because you can't even see what it is. You're engulfed in it, you have no ideas. You can't see that your reactivity and your insults and your abuse and your sheeple and your morons that are doing this and the weak men that are leading us towards tyranny and all of these insults you heard around, laughing at the, the overweight person with a mask in a car, like there's some kind of object of derision. You can't see, you can't see that that derision that's coming you is coming from your fear, the same fear that they're feeling because you don't have enough distance. So you need to step back from it. And that takes quiet, <laughs> all of your skill as a cultivator, stepping back and identifying the root cause for the ways you're behaving. And do you know what happens? Once you can see it, once you can see, oh no, that's why I'm doing that. Okay, yeah, I thought this was my enemy, but actually this is my enemy. You kind of calm down. And then once you calm down, there's a, the reactivity goes and then the ability to respond arises. And then what you generally find is actually there's a greater deal of compassion that comes from within. And at that stage, the bigger problem of the societal divide can start to be healed and it can start to be mended. Because I said, ultimately, if we don't mend it on a microcosmic level within ourselves, within our loved ones, within our community, it's going to happen on a wider scale. And you do not want planetary level divides into two opposing poles because history has shown us where that is going. And that is much more of a factor for human life. So those are my thoughts. I'm sure that, like I say, many of you won't agree with this and um, that's okay, that's fine. Like we all choose different causes, but this is mine. Um, if this has helped at all, that's great. If it hasn't, well, I only wasted half an hour of your life, didn't I? <laughs>